Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. afternoon and welcome to Black Talk Radio News. My name, of course, is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind these enemy lines known as the United States of America, where they say liberty and justice for all, but they still practice slavery, which has been constitutionalized through the 13th Amendment of the United States Constitution. And in case you have not heard the news, heard the latest news, if you've been tuned in to this radio station uh, and a number of the uh, programs that um, we uh, play on this station, then you would know that Venezuela has, uh, in a peer review type uh, setting at the United Nations, uh, Venezuela has called on the United States to repeal the 13th Amendment. Uh, yes, to uh, stop practicing legalized slavery. And so, yeah, that's that's pretty big news. I haven't seen anything in mainstream media about it. I wonder why that is. Do you you know, maybe you got a clue. You know, if you got a clue to tell me why Al Sharpton on MSNBC or Chris Hayes on MSNBC or Rachel Maddow or John Daly, I think he hasn't you know, uh, stop recording. Has he, he's still producing a weekly program. I believe, um, any of these people in mainstream media, not even Fox news, not even Bill O'Reilly or none of them, you know, to talk junk about Venezuela. How dare Venezuela tell the United States what to do and, and how to run its affairs and uh, stop practicing slave. Yeah. See, they don't want, there is, I mean, to me, that's proof. That's proof right there that there is a conspiracy to keep that knowledge from the American people. Although, you know, the only thing that's keeping you from the knowledge is actually using all of this great, wonderful technology, the information highway called the Internet, and Googling the 13th Amendment. And, yeah, and um, reading for yourself to see how Section 1 says that, you know, slavery, of course, we're abolishing slavery and involuntary servitude. But if you commit a crime and we can convict you of that crime, then yes, that is how you will be punished. And it's carried out every day uh, in this country. Uh, again, I, I may be repeating myself, but the other day I had, um, we're looking at telecommunication companies that are involved in using prison slave labor in some form or fashion. And it's hard. It's hard to find a cell phone carrier. It's hard to find a internet service provider. It's hard to find, you know, if you want to get, you know, cable television, it's hard to find any, any service that is not connected to prison slavery in this country. That is how prevalent it is, people. 
And I imagine, you know, all of those people that those companies like Sprint, AT&T, Verizon, a whole lot more. When they're paying for these commercials on these news network or or these, you know, corporate television networks, they are not paying them all of that money for them to be exposing slavery in this country. And then, you know, they'll have to stop practicing slavery themselves. So, no, they're not about to do that. And so, you know, that's why it's important. That's why it is important to support independent media, you know, to seek it out, to seek out alternative views, to seek out uh, non-traditional sources of information, because that seems like that's the last bastion of truth is uh, coming to you through the internet. And of course, the internet is under attack with, um, you know, Comcast and some others who are saying, oh, you want to connect with people on the internet? You think you might want to write a blog or start a website or uh, sell trinkets or whatever it is you want to sell uh, on the internet? Well, guess what? You got to pay us not only for you to yourself to access the internet, but you got to pay these extra fees so that other people can access what you're putting on the internet. That's basically what net neutrality is all about. Um, the FCC, it appears, wants to enforce rules where these internet service providers, ISPs, are regulated just like a power company. Uh, yeah, you don't charge people different rates and, and things or sell them different packages for power. Either you give them electricity or you don't. It's that simple. Everybody pays the same rate. Now, of course, in on the internet, we know, um, we have different packages, different tiers. If you want, you know, uh, dial up, if you want, you know, a little bit slow, but it's still decent, but you know, but okay, you want to pay a little bit more and it'd be a little bit faster. So your downloads are download in, in minutes, you know, just a couple of minutes, not 10 minutes, not 15 minutes, not 30 minutes. Yeah. So you pay a little bit more. So yeah, they just trying to really just line their pockets, um, with creating two different lanes, the fast lane and the slow lane, you know, so that's, that's not right. And so I hope people have been calling, uh, their representatives or the representatives over their district and telling them to support net neutrality, to allow the FCC to regulate the internet just like it does any other public utility because these these uh greedy corporations just simply want to either extort more money out to people or they want to shut down uh independent sources of information and news it's probably both we'll just say both all right um today during the first hour of the program we'll be speaking to miss annabelle parker she is going to skype in from europe and give us an update on the cochran or corcoran uh, prisoners at in California at that prison um, plantation. We reported on them over a year ago. Uh, this was on New Abolitionist Radio, however, a different program, same station, different program. But these guys had went on a hunger strike because of the mistreatment, the human rights violations of not only themselves, but all the prisoners. And so uh, a couple of the people who participated in that, I, I believe if my information is correct and I you know, read it correctly, 
and comprehended what I was reading. A couple of those who had participated in that hunger strike are being denied care packages, you know, where uh, people send them things that they might need, soap, toilet paper, whatever, you know, since uh, most of these prisons, you know, they want to charge them room and board and you know you want some soap to take a shower well you got to pay for that oh you ain't got no money you didn't save up your money from when you was doing uh customer service calls from at&t and and you know i know you was only getting paid 10 cents an hour but okay yeah so yeah we'll be talking to miss parker who um shipped some of these packages to these prisoners and it's been withheld from them uh, for at least two months now, going on three months, uh, in the third month, entering the third month. And so this is quite possibly illegal. And, uh, we definitely want to, uh, talk to Ms. Parker uh, about that. Um, yeah, in the news, uh, after we talk to Ms. Parker during the second hour of the show, uh, we'll get into some of the news. A federal jury has awarded $14 million to Indian guest workers from India. $14 million. Uh, cause they were victimized in a labor trafficking scheme, uh, by this company called Signal International. So yeah, we'll, we'll see, you know, um, I thought human trafficking was legal. Oh, I guess you have to be a government entity to practice that or, or licensed by the federal government, you know, or state governments to practice, uh, human trafficking. Uh, Geraldo Rivera. I mean, this guy always saying stupid stuff, but the latest stupid thing he has stated was that hip hop and fashion have damaged black communities more than racism has in the last decade. That's utter nonsense, but we'll hear what Geraldo had to say. And uh, Alabama Chief State Judge Roy Moore, I hadn't heard his name in the news since the whole thing about I'm going to, you know, put the Ten Commandments up in my courthouse and there's nothing you can do about it and, you know, some other crazy stuff. Uh, now he is telling state judges in Alabama to ignore a U.S. federal court ruling. Um, is this a seditious act? This certainly sounds like it to me. There are a lot of people in prison right now, political prisoners uh, primarily uh, who have been charged with, you know, and convicted on sedition, you know, telling people to ignore the United States government. Um, that is exactly what uh, Roy Moore is doing. And then last but not least, if we get time, a CIA agent says that the agency is full of sociopaths and liars who lie 24 seven. I mean, you know, we appreciate you confirming that, but we had a pretty good idea um about that so uh let me make sure my phone line is open for uh miss annabelle to get through again she is dialing in from europe and y'all know how technology can be sometimes oh looks like uh we lost our our connection uh to the conference line so let's get called back into there and uh maybe this will also uh See if we get Miss Annabelle back on. Let's see. Let's get dialed in this conference line. I apologize. Those who were in there know you can't hear me right now, but I'm getting dialed back in. Access code accepted. This conference is being recorded. Q&A session started. All right, we are back in the conference line. Sorry about that. Uh, the telephone number to get in on the conference line is 530-881-1400. The participant code is 549032-POUND. 
hit that pound key. And then um, once you're in there, if you have a question, you have a comment, hit star six on the phone keypad and the number one to buzz the host. The lady will will give you instructions on what to do. All right, we're going to take a break. I'm going to um, email Miss Park and Miss Parks and uh, see what's possibly going on. Uh, we've been emailing each other right before the show, so maybe she's um, having trouble with the internet. You know, perhaps somebody doesn't want her to come on the program and um, expose the things that are going on down there at Corcoran. So, uh, yeah, uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> See, America, in terms of where she goes and you know, like who she controls, the whole sphere of influence is diminishing. America is fighting on about five or six different fronts right now. Latin America, you know, like Africa, Middle East, and Vietnam, and here domestically. So I think that, you know, given the system and given that it operates off the military-industrial complex, which means that war is profitable and that, you know, like General Steel, or USS Steel, must make steel for tanks to hire people, you know, to give people jobs to, so they can spend the money to buy other goods. The very fact that the system operates off that principle mean that, means that when the man comes back, when the man is run out of every country, then it will become necessary to wage war in his own country. All right, we are back. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News with Scotty Reed. Live, it is uh, February 19, 2015. I forgot to mention that at the beginning of the broadcast, but I do believe we have Miss Parker on the line. Do we have you, Miss Parker? Yes, yes, hello. Hey, it's good to speak to you again. I think it's been over a, e- a year. It's been a long time oh, since I'm, we last spoke. Yeah, a long time ago, yes. Yeah, I was just, um, as you know, I had gotten your email about what's going on down at Corcoran uh, Prison in California, and I'm doing some research and put your name in Black Talk Radio Network, and it came up. You were on New Abolitionist Radio back in January uh, 2014, and so um, we're glad to speak to you again. A lot of people since then are not with us anymore. People pass away. People die. And uh, so we're happy that you weren't one of them and and none of these prisoners because they were uh, facing life and death situations. Um, First, could you just go ahead and tell people a little bit about yourself and the type of uh, human rights activism you engage in on a personal level? Um, Well, I live in Europe, in the Netherlands. And um, I've been engaged in um, um, assisting people in prison since 2003. Well, before that, I was uh, working in, here with people in immigrant jails. And um, recently, yeah, since the hunger strikes in 2011 in California, um, I focused on... Uh, supporting the hunger strikers by writing them and uh, engaging in discussions with them on how to um, uh, help change things there. So um, 
I, I, I'm just um, generally um, uh, very much opposed to solitary confinement. Um, it's a, a very extreme form of uh, um, prison and punishment. And um, if we are to abolish prisons, we have to uh, start somewhere. And um, so I do a lot of uh, writing, uh, uh, corresponding with prisoners, and uh, helping them uh, spread their word with uh, building websites with them, and so forth. You, you mentioned solitary confinement. Indeed, uh, the international community and the UN uh, bodies have said that solitary confinement is torture. Uh, I I forget when they say a human being starts to be uh, permanently psychologically damaged. I think it's like a matter of days or, or so to speak. But the entire international community um does look upon solitary confinement as torture. It is widely used in the United States, even used on children, you know, teenagers and, and preteens and such. Uh, how widely used is solitary confinement there in Europe, where you are? Um, that's difficult to say for me right now. Um, I don't really have the figures, but um, uh, we have so many different countries here. Uh, in each country different, but it's, it is, um, widely used as well. Um, but it's not so, um, widely used as in the States. And, uh, most, um, countries here don't have these, uh, incredibly long prison sentences. <clears throat> and, um, um, in Holland, it's, there are, um, solitary confinement cells, uh, mostly they're not used for in, uh, um, indeterminate uh, uh, amounts of time. <clears throat> and um, uh, like in California, it, it can go on forever. And there's no, it's not, uh, yeah, it, it's used to break people down and uh, make them go crazy. And that's uh, you're speaking about Cal. You're speaking about yeah. the United States, yeah. uh, primarily. Uh, yeah, was that what called? Now you mentioned a hunger strike in in 2011, but the last time we spoke to you was in 2014, and there, what was that? A second hunger strike? But yeah, there, there, yeah, there was a mm -hmm. well, there was a big hunger strike in 2013, also, and I think um, we we spoke also in October, uh, last October, because we had. Uh, there was a, a very small um, hunger strike, and it only lasted about five or seven days, which is already long for me. <laughs> but uh, for um, by a small group of people in Corcoran, Shu, who demanded uh, medical care for uh, some uh, medical issues they needed attending immediately. That one. Yeah, I, I do recall, and and if you you know you're in regular contact. Uh, with these prisoners, these men, um, if you could just remind us of their names. But I, I distinctly remember one of them uh, was on like a breathing respirator and they wouldn't even give them an extension cord and whatnot. Just, you know, real, real tacky, real just 
it's just yeah. really juvenile things to be, you know, picking, messing with someone over and putting their life at risk like that. And and what prisoner was that, and how is he now? Uh, his name is Zaharibu uh, Doro, or Michael Zaharibu Doro. He's um, 61 years old. He's been in uh, prison for over, well, more than 26 years, or 28 years or something. Uh, he's been in... Um, solitary confinement in California since uh, more than 26 years. 26 years. Wow. Yeah, very long. And uh, he has an innocence claim that needs to be um, thoroughly um, uh, <clears throat> um, checked out. Uh, um, his case, is, a lot of things went wrong in his case, and he shouldn't be in prison at all. Um, his health... Uh, what happened after that hunger strike in October is they, um, they, uh, he was sent, Zaharibu was sent to the hospital in Corcoran, the, the prison hospital, and then they sent him to the, the civil, uh, hospital, Alexide. And he had all kinds of, um, they, uh, tests done on him and, uh, <clears throat> basically they, uh, treated him for a spine, uh, disease. I, I forget the name of the spine disease, but um, uh, and that was something totally different, which he it hadn't even been mentioned that he had that. It wasn't so, uh, uh, multiple sclerosis, was it? Something like that. Sco yeah, it's scoliosis. Not, yeah, something like that. Yeah, scolio. Yeah, something with his spine. Okay. And um, he's still being treated, and he's still being uh, uh, monitored for that. Um, and his, he was moved to a singular cell. They, they were sharing cells within the solitary confinement department, which makes the cell even smaller. Right. Uh, but now he, he was moved to a single cell, not because they liked him so much or so, or, but because they wanted to um, connect his um, um, sleep apnea uh, machine to uh, a socket. So... Um, uh, they isolated him um, a bit more for that. So uh, it's not—it's all not good. But um, we have to constantly keep uh, a close eye on, on what's happening. And the mail is so slow, and they can't make phone calls. So that's the problem, also. Well, you say the mail is so slow, but I mean, from what what the uh, email that you had sent me, it appears that. It's not the mail that's slow, but it's somebody seems to be holding up their mail. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that well, yeah, that's why the mail is slowed down by the uh, institutional gang investigators. They, um, of course, all mail is opened and read in prisons, but in California, you have uh, 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 <clears throat> IGI, they're called, they're gang investigators, and they they keep the letters. So long. I don't know if they are slow readers or what. What's the matter with them? And um, that's why the prisoners get our letters very late, and we get their letters. Sometimes I, it takes 12 days, whereas the mail is five days or seven days. It could be here, and I get letters from 12 days ago, which is very uh, bad. I think it shouldn't be, that. especially with medical conditions and. No way to, no, they can't even call their family. So, uh. I mean, but 
one of the packages you described had stuff in it like, I'm not sure if I'm recalling correctly, like vitamins or fruits or nuts, something like that, something they needed for their health. So you don't have to read those items right there, you know. No, exactly. Yeah, they are allowed one annual package. Um, And um, this year uh, I sent the package to Hashima Denham. Uh, Usually his aunt sends it, and I offered to send it instead of her this year. So she could send him something else, um, and um, it's once a year. So the, the vitamins and you know uh, the, the thermal uh, t-shirts they uh, can wear to stay warm in the winter, uh, in the at night. Um, all these things are in the package, and uh, he he wasn't given it. And it's about a month uh, or six weeks ago already that it was sent to the institution, and. Um, we just think it's retaliation for them speaking up on uh, their their human rights, and that's not right. Now, one, one of the um, you you mentioned Hashima Denham, yes. but um, Abdul, Ag, how do you pronounce his name? Aglobala Shakur. Yeah, Abdul Olubala Shakur. Uh, I think his name. Now he he is as you have wrote to me, and I have read his articles on uh, San Francisco Bay View. I you know I subscribe to them and uh, follow them on social media. So I have you know read his articles, but you know first became familiar with him when we did those interviews with you as well. Well, it was through the San Francisco Bay View article that I read that led me to contact you because you were mentioned in the article, or you might have been the one who wrote the article. I. I don't know, but I have read some of his work. Now, he has some things that he needs because he has, like, to prepare for a a parole hearing that's occurring next month. And it's got paperwork and stuff he needs. So can you tell us about his case? Yes. Um, uh, Abdul was, um, he was a long time in Pelican Bay, uh, in the shoe. And finally, he was moved to uh, Tehachapi in uh, California uh, Correctional Institution, um, where he would be in a step-down program. Um, and then he was moved suddenly again, the last month, no, yeah, December 24th, they moved him to Corcoran, to the shoe, uh, because of some kind of, I don't know, he, 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 he wrote a grievance against personnel and they didn't like it, so he, they wanted to put him back a step in this step-down program. And... Um, he has uh, been moved, but he's still waiting for all his property, including all his legal documents. And in um, <clears throat> in March, he has a chance for uh, to come for the parole board, which is great because he's been incarcerated since 1985 or so. And um, and he has four uh, uh, four cases of litigation ongoing. So. Um, the CDCR or IGI, they are just obstructing uh, the the law, the the, the course of uh, the courts and the law. So that's very cons- very uh, uh, incorrect thing. incorrect behavior. I mean, like yeah. you, like you mentioned, you know, in your letter to the warden Dave Davy, 
Um, yeah. yeah, Dave Davey, you, you mentioned that this possibly might be illegal because you paid for those items. You paid for them to be delivered there in a certain yeah. amount of time. And, and you know, that's your property until they put it in the hands of the person it was intended for. So, you know, I haven't act, looked up any kind of prison regulations. And, and you've been doing this a long time, interacting with prisoners as well as staff. And so, I mean, is anything irregular about this sort of treatment? Um, it sh- well, it shouldn't be like this. Um, I, I mean, he I didn't don't... have an infraction where, you know, he beat up another prisoner or got in a fight with a guard or he hasn't done anything like that no, to be punished, has he? No, no, there's nothing. No, they told him, I think there is a rule that you have to get your property within 30 days. But then I got another letter uh, telling uh, from Hashima, I think, and he said with, that they told him within 60 days. So I'm not sure, because Hashima and Abdul are sharing the same cell now. So um, uh, I don't know if it's, uh, you get your property within 30 days or 60, but if you have litigation ongoing, and there's no um, reason why they should withhold property what they have to come up with a legitimate reason why they are doing this so mm-hmm. all i can think of is they're reading all this uh, legal stuff and that's not right so, uh, yeah probably taking the time to inform the prosecutor and and yes. you know the opposing counsel yeah this is what his yeah. strategy is this is what he's doing yeah i can totally see that happening yeah yes and uh, and uh, about the package, I mean, I paid for it. So uh, why are they withholding it? It's uh, it's ours, <laughs> not theirs. So. Now I know you. I know you're in in Europe, so calling the prison will be cost prohibitive to you, I imagine. But are you in contact with anyone here in the states that have made phone calls on behalf of of these two prisoners? Yes, there have been phone calls made. Um, uh, I don't know who, but it doesn't matter who. Um, there were emails sent out to uh, call, uh, make a call for uh, the, so that people can call to the warden or email him. Uh, I know uh, Mary Redcliffe of the SSDSU herself. She called. She tried to call the warden, but they put her through immediately to the um, public officer of information or something. Um, it's very hard to get through to the warden and they don't put out all their telephone numbers, the extension numbers. So you have to, yeah, it's frustrating and they want to make it frustrating. So usually I just send out an email and forward it to lots of people mm-hmm. so that the word gets out. Well, I'm, I'm like on their website right now. I'm on CDR, no, yeah. excuse me, CDCR dot ca dot gov dot gov and facilities yeah. locator and yeah. i'm looking at a phone number of course it you know doesn't yeah. give me the warden's extension or exactly. or anything like that uh, can you forward me the the information if you have the right phone numbers yeah. people should call or in the email if you could forward that to me so i can get it posted to this program because uh, yep. people will come listen to it later. And I also want to put it in our group, Move to Abolish 21st Century uh, Slavery, which is on Facebook. And we see if we can get some of our members to send some emails and make some calls. 
Yes, and I can also, um, uh, I, I, I have it in front of me here, the numbers, because Mary did um, um, reach uh, Lieutenant Martinez a few days ago, um, and this is the Corcoran Public Information Officer who uh, returned her call, and he said, or he or she, I don't know, um, said that they were going to um, give Abdul his legal property, but we have no confirmation from Abdul himself because the mail is too slow. So maybe he already has it, but we don't know. So um, I mean, when we call, we can ask for confirmation, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's the, that's what we should do. I can give you the number now. Well, and if I'll you would, if you would just uh, hold off and give us the number on yes. the other side of the break, uh, we're overdue yes, for a station fine. identification break. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News with Scotty Reed. Our broadcast every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at four o'clock p.m. Eastern, right here on the Black Talk Radio Network. Stay tuned. We will be right back. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasts and live program scheduling. Visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. They use force on inmates. They beat up inmates. They planted evidence or weapons in, 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 in cells. If an inmate was beaten up, presumably if he made a complaint, there had to be some sort of investigation. It would be squashed at, a, at the management level. It wouldn't go any farther than that. It wouldn't go any farther than probably the supervisor of that yard. Donald Bodica is now in hiding. We had to agree his lawyer came to the interview and we couldn't say where we met them. Ever since I broke the code of silence, I've lost everything. I've lost friends that I had associated with the Department of Corrections. I've lost my, some of my family members. I've lost everything. I've lost my career. I've lost financially. It was devastating. I'm on the move all the time. Why? Because I fear for my life, for my life, for my life, for my life. Welcome back to Black Talk Radio News with Scotty Reed. And, of course, I have my guest uh, for today on the program is Annabelle Parker, human rights activist, prisoner, advocate, and uh, just all around uh, good person. Annabelle, could, could I classify you as an abolitionist? A modern day abolitionist, because you you talked about abolishing prisons earlier. So, are you an abolitionist? Um, yes, it's always a com- complicated uh, question. <laughs> <laughs> we don't mean to put you on the spot, but you know, ultimately, we... yes, I, 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 a society without I mean, prison doesn't really reform people and. Um, People get reformed uh, not because of prison, but uh, in spite of prison. Someone said a few days ago to me. So um, it doesn't. Um, I don't see the punishment. Now, punishment isn't uh, shouldn't be forever. Or, uh, people should be should get education and uh, m- mentoring. And um, uh, but this is this is just you know. It's such a huge um, um, topic to uh, to say something uh, simple simple about. 
Right. I, I understand it, it is a complicated topic when you talk about abolishing prisons. But, yeah. you know, we have a growing movement here in the United States, and we call ourselves the New Abolitionists uh, yeah. Movement. We're New Abolitionists, and we we are looking at the fact that so, depending upon who you talk to or what report you read, that anywhere from 70% to up to 80% of all prisoners are in there for nonviolent, victimless crimes, drug crimes, things of that nature. Not rapists, not murderers, not bank robbers. You know, a, the vast majority are in there for nonviolent crimes. And, and so we, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of the program that Venezuela just called on the United States to repeal the 13th Amendment because the 13th Amendment says, you know, slavery and involuntary servitude shall be abolished except for punishment for crime. And I'm certain that you know how the prison system exploits the labor of these prisoners. And so we say slavery. You know, we're slavery abolitionists, not just prison abolitionists, but slavery abolitionists because we know slavery was never abolished. And it's just, you know, a shame that people all over the world, including where you are, you know, I yes. bet you if you went up to somebody on the street, Annabelle, and said, you know, when are you, do you think slavery still exists in the United States? They'll probably start talking to you about, well, I heard something about Abraham Lincoln doing something, but yeah, it, it, it's just a, a, a masterful propaganda job that the United States has been able to convince the entire world that, you know, they abolished slavery in 1865. But I know you know better than that. Yes, that's, I, I totally agree with you, yes. And um, it, it, it's such a um, huge complex, the prison industrial complex. And it's so, yeah, it, it's so evil that uh, people earn money of other people in that way. It, it's really evil. That's all I can say about it. I mean, what else can I, hey, that's the uh, best one word description of slavery I could think of is to just simply call it evil. Yes, it is. Yeah, keep it simple. Sometimes simple is most effective. Um, So now you were going to give us the phone numbers and who are we calling on behalf of? Um, I have. The, uh, a number uh, it's the pri- the number of the prison of the uh, for the warden okay of and that's warden David uh, what's his name Dave Davy Dave Davy yeah. and um, if you call this number you'll probably be put through to the public information officer okay. but it doesn't matter you you can just tell the person you are you know, getting on uh, speaking with. Um, that you would like uh, uh, property to be um, uh, given to uh, um, now I have to give his uh, slave name James Harvey is the name uh, James James Harvey is the name that Abdul Olubala Shakur is known by in the prison by the prison and his number is C four eight 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 that's the registration number. Say that again, that's C as in cat. Yes, C four eight 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 four. Okay, let me repeat that back to you. That's yes. James Harvey. 
uh, prisoner number C, as in cat, 48884. That's correct. Okay. And his legal um, documents and property should be given to him, uh, or we could ask, are, have they already given him his, le- his property? Um, and the number to call is 559-992-8800. That's the number for Corporan for the prison. And then extension number 5004. Okay, let me read that back to you. That is uh, area code 559-992-8800, and the extension is 5004. Yes, that's correct. And did we want to advocate on behalf of someone else as well who is, isn't receiving his package? Uh, yes, um, that is for um, Hashima Denham, D-E-N-H-A-M, and his um, registration number is J382833. And um, he, um, we don't know if he has received his annual package and if he... Um, if they can uh, deliver it to him as soon as possible. And this is a package that he's allowed to receive once a year that has things like soap and vitamins and other things, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Okay. Well, we will certainly make sure um, that we get this out to those who may not be listening and and may listen to the podcast later or uh, as well as those who are in our group on Facebook, Move to Abolish 21st Century Slavery. And we're also posted to uh, New Abolitionist Radio's page as well. Um, is there anything uh, that you wanted to say in closing uh, on these issues with, you know, uh, solitary confinement and just the prison system in general or more specifically to these these men and why people should care uh, to make that phone call? Um, well, it's, um, I don't know, really. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I would like to say that um, this is an issue uh, for, uh, for justice. And even if in your eyes it's a small issue, um, even if you accomplish one small issue, it, it is already a win for um for the abolitionists, for the new abolitionists, and every win is a win for us all. And um, I also would like to mention that uh, Abdul and Hashima and Mutope and Steve Martineau have a new website for to um, to struggle for free speech in prison for the activists inside, and it's called Free Speech Society. WordPress.com. Let me write that down because that's a, that's important. That is free speech society dot what? WordPress WordPress.com. dot WordPress Because this kind of falls in line with um, another uh, issue dealing with prisoners and free speech that we have been reporting on. 
um, Noel Hammerham, who uh, does great work over there with Prison Radio. Um, I think you uh, also have, um, I forget, the Amistad Law Center, all in Pennsylvania. Um, I don't know if you heard, Annabelle, uh, but they are they passed a law, and the governor signed it into law. To uh, It's called, the we call it the Muslim Mamiya Law. But what this yep. does is is prevent people, you know, behind bars who have been convicted of some sort of personal injury crime that, you know, they can't speak out from prison. They can't say this. They can't write that. And even once they get out of prison, you know, or, you know, they can be sued by the victim family member. Total trampling of their constitutional First Amendment free speech rights. But, of course, we know when the system looks at you as just another slave, uh, slaves don't have rights. And so, yeah. But anyway, um, this is sort of along the same lines. Uh, you know, they want to keep information from getting out from about these prisons from the prisoners themselves. So talk a little bit about that because that's important. Yes. Um, I actually, uh, I was sent the, their statements and I was surprised and uh, happy, happily supply, surprised that they uh, uh, made this decision to uh, undertake uh, this uh, website and uh, um, in California, they also have something similar. Um, CDCR wants to um, uh, ban um, publications from going into prison like um, the SFB View and uh, The Rock, uh, all uh, newsletters and, um, uh, <coughs> and publications about prisoners with words from prisoners published in them. And um, I think this is their um, way of fighting back. And uh, also from get yeah, um, they have a right to uh, share their story with us all. And um, like Mumia in Pennsylvania and and so many other prisoners, um, we have to know about them because they are part of us. We are part of them. So. Um, their family. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, it is very important. And um, I'm going to post that link that is freespeechsociety.wordpress.com. I'm posting it to our Facebook page here on uh, Facebook Black Talk Radio Network. Just Google that or put that in the um the Facebook search engine. Excuse me. That's Black Talk Radio Network. And I have just... Uh, posted it just posted it so if you want to find a link to it there you'll be able to find it uh those listening later on the podcast i will put the link in in the description well annabelle i want to thank you again for the work that you do i want to thank you for bringing these matters you know to uh the abolitionist community's attention and you have my email you have my skype so anything you know we have to not let it be one year before we talk to you again, although it's been, like you said, I did talk to you in October, but we would love to have you back on New Abolitionist Radio um, as a guest, but we might have to do that pre-recorded, giving the uh, time difference between the states and the Netherlands. So we'll work something out, but you stay in touch and, and, and you stay safe and you just keep right on fighting. Thank you very much. You. you have a good evening. 
All right, that was a uh, human rights activist, uh, Annabelle Parker, based in the Netherlands. Uh, she does occasionally come to the United States to visit these prisoners. And um, I, she said, yeah, you can call me an abolitionist. So we'll chalk up one more uh, recruit to the 21st century abolitionist movie movement fighting against 21st century slavery and human trafficking. Um, I, I want to let you know about uh, some of the rest of the program coming up this week on Black Talk Radio Network. Let me pull up my calendar here. Um, let's see. Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow will be February the 20th. We will have Christopher Irvin back on the program, the Baltimore uh, activist, human rights activist, legal analyst, um, does a lot of good work on behalf of the people. He's been focusing a lot on expungements, record expungements, uh, so that people don't have lifetime punishments because they've been convicted of selling, you know, a little bit of weed or whatnot. And so, yeah, we're going to punish you the rest of your life. You had more than two ounces of weed. So we're going to bar you from all federal programs. Uh, better, uh, bar you from any kind of food assistance from the federal government and the states. And yeah, we're just going to make your life hell. Oh, you, you served your time. Oh, that, that doesn't matter, sir. These are lifetime punishments. Don't you know? And uh, so, yeah, he'll be talking to us about that tomorrow. Uh, just why that is so important or uh, important issue, uh, to be hashing out and, and fighting, you know, if you want to, Go to reform route. That is cer certainly something that could bring relief to people immediately. You know, it, it's a it's a battle that could be won. Um, a whole bunch of battles, and before you know it, you're won the war. So you know, we uh, say on, as an abolitionist movement, death by a thousand paper cuts. You ain't got to be a Nat Turner, okay? Uh, you may just be a Frederick Douglass, okay? Where you using you know your um powers of persuasion to try to persuade some people that slavery is wrong this is incorrect behavior is barbaric and um no civilized society should practice it and or you could be like nat turner and you know take out a couple of these slave uh enslavers and people that's harming you and doing you all that hey we got room for everybody. It's a big tent and we don't judge anyone. Okay. So yeah. All right. I'm going to take a break. And then when I come back, oh yeah, I forgot. We also have during the second hour joining us tomorrow. I'm, I'm sorry. I almost forgot. And, uh, we have Mr. Cleo Monago, uh, making another appearance on the black talk radio network. I can't recall the last time he was on, uh, we were scheduled to have him about a week or so ago, but something occurred and he wasn't able to keep that date with us, but he is confirmed and coming on tomorrow at, uh, during the second half of the program, the black trauma based mental illness is what he will be coming on to discuss or in short BT. I also want to get his thoughts on my article about the um, movie director Lee Daniels who created Empire and what he said about black people, you know, being ignorant and being insulting. And, you know, I might interpret that to you calling me a nigger, but whatever, Lee. Uh, yeah, I'm not that ignorant. 
uh, but I know what metaphors are. And, and yeah, you're, you're trading pretty close there. They're calling the entire black community a bunch of homophobic niggers. And so, yeah, we def- definitely want to, uh, get Mr. Monago's thoughts on that. He writes extensively about, uh, same sex, uh, issues in this country, same gender loving issues, uh, homosexuality, uh, and white supremacy white supremacy based uh gayness all right so we will uh be looking forward to that conversation so tomorrow that is two people two people will be joining us to talk about important issues that is again during the first hour we will talk to mr christopher irvin and the second hour we will talk to cleo monago now i'm going to take a break i will check the phone lines if nobody um, doesn't have anything to say. I will go ahead and take a break. Uh, if you want to get in during the break, you want to call in. That's 530-881-1400. The access code is 549-032-POUND. And of course, hit star six and the number one when the lady prompts you and that will buzz me and I will get you in on the air. When I come back, I want to talk about some of the stuff that's in the news, uh, federal jury has awarded $14 million to Indian guest workers who were victimized in labor trafficking. A lot of Indians been coming over here lately getting abused. Uh, you got the grandfather down there, I believe that was in Arizona, that lays in a hospital right now, partially paralyzed after one of these slave-catching cops got a call saying there was some black person looking around in people's garages and you know, he came out there to protect the community from this black threat. And it turned out to be this 60-something-year-old grandfather who is not African or African-American or black or anything like that, but uh, he's Indian. Uh, he's a melanated person uh, from the continent known as India. And so, yeah, um, yeah, got to treat him, though, as if he was. He, he got to be an honorary African-American that day. And, uh, yeah, he now lies in a hospital. Um, so yeah, they've been getting victimized. And this story talks about these Indian guest workers who were victimized, uh, in human trafficking scheme by this company called Signal International. Better check your portfolio, check your 401k, make sure y'all not invested in Signal International cause they are enslaving folks and, and all that kind of garbage, that evil. Geraldo Rivero, the, hip-hop and fashion commentator apparently you know Geraldo Rivera Fox News reporter he says that hip-hop and fashion have damaged the black community more than racism has in the past decade wow bold words from Geraldo Alabama Chief State Judge Roy Moore um, he told all the other Alabama state judges that's I guess Lower on the food chain in, in the Alabama judicial system told them to ignore a U.S. court ruling and what could, what I describe as a seditious act. Now he's saying, don't y'all listen to that, that U.S. court judge that said that, uh, you can't stop gay people from getting married, that, you know, uh, bans against same sex marriages is unconstitutional. Don't you, don't you listen to him now. I'm the chief judge of the state. 
And I'm telling you to just ignore the federal government and commit this act of sedition because you know me. I got the Ten Commandments on the wall to back up what I'm saying. And, and you know, we just do what we want to do, whether that is uh, prohibiting uh, same-sex couples from getting married to uh, practicing slavery. You know, one of the worst states in the, in the union for still practicing slavery and all sorts of human rights violations going on down there in Alabama. So, and then last but not least, you got a former CIA agent. Uh, this guy's the only one who has actually been in prison for torturing somebody. I thought, you know, that there was no one who went to prison for that. Um, but apparently just one person was responsible for all of this torturing and, and whatnot. Well, he's out of prison now. He certainly wasn't in there long, was he? <laughs> wow. And he's talking to the media and he gave a interview to Chris Hayes the other night on MSNBC or he will be giving an interview to Chris Hayes. Um, I think the, the YouTube clip, I think that was like a promotional something. I don't know. Anyway, he's admitting that the CIA is full of sociopaths and, and of course, liars who lie 24-7. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take this break, and then when we come back, we will jump into all of that. And, of course, uh, phone calls. If you got any phone calls, any commentary, that's 530-881-1400, access code. Five four nine zero three two pound, and hit star six and the number one the bus. Meet yours truly, Scotty Reed, your host for today. All right. Exist in a state of vanglorious as we are protected by the red, the black, and the green. Heed the words of the brothers. Well, this was a terrorist organization that didn't just defend themselves from specific acts, but initiated acts of terrorism. Do you favor that in this country? No, I think that the conditions that prevailed in Kenya uh, forced the Mau Mau to take action. And any action that they took, even though it seemed that they were initiating it, actually it was a defensive action. And it was a reaction to the colonial powers that were uh, exploiting them. Do you favor such an organization here? Uh, do, do, does white America favor the Ku Klux Klan or the Citizens Council? And as long as the government, uh, police bodies, do nothing about the existence of white terror groups that are terrorizing blacks, then it's time for a black to do whatever is necessary to put these white terror groups in their place. And I feel that a Mao Mao could wipe out the Klan in the north, south, east, and west, and wherever it exists. I'm not against the idea at all. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. This is Monroe, North Carolina. The town where local NAACP president Robert Williams created headlines when he said, Sometimes violence must be met with violence. Many asked why. You know, we do whatever we do to survive. Drop it! Some of the people who had thought that it would be better to settle these cases violently 
uh, I had been able to uh, persuade them that we should use the courts and go into the courts. So this thing had, uh, had boomerang. And uh, I was being uh, held responsible for having brought these cases to court. There was a trial where a Negro maid had been kicked down a flight of stairs uh, by a white man. And that uh, this man hadn't even bothered to come to his own trial. And that he had, uh, he had also uh, been uh, acquitted. And uh, there was a demonstration as a result of this in uh, the courtroom by the Negro women of the community. And uh, they had approached me and uh, had said, well, you said that you would see that these people would be punished because uh, through the organization we would have competent counsel and uh, that if it hadn't been for you that these people would have been punished and uh, they wanted to know what I would recommend that they do from then on. And so I recommended that, that they meet violence with violence, that uh, Negroes must be prepared to repulse attack, that they must be willing to fight, that they must be willing to die and to kill if necessary, that uh, there was no law or no 14th Amendment uh, to the United States Constitution of equal protection in the South, and that therefore they didn't have any deterrent, so they would have to create the, the deterrent force themselves by meeting violence with violence. See, that's, I mean, that's another thing. When you talk about a revolution, most people think violence um, without realizing that the real content of any kind of revolutionary thrust lies in the, in, in the principles and the goals that you're striving for, not in the way you reach them. On the other hand, uh, because of the way this society is organized because of the violence that exists on the surface everywhere. You have to expect that there are going to be such explosions. You have to expect things like that as reactions. If you are a black person and live in, in, in the black community all your life and walk out on the street every day seeing white policemen surrounding you, I. When I was living in Los Angeles, for instance, long before the situation in L.A. ever occurred, uh, I was constantly stopped. No, the, the police didn't know who I, who I was, but I was a black woman. And I had a, had a natural, and, and they, I suppose, thought that I might be a, quote, militant. And when you live under a situation like that constantly, um, uh, and, in, and then you ask me, you know, whether I approve of violence, I mean, that just doesn't make any sense at all. Have you forgotten that once we were brought here, we were robbed of our name, robbed of our language. We lost our religion, our culture, our God. And many of us, by the way we act, we even lost our minds. Here it is. Bam! And you say, God damn, this is a dope jam. But let's define the term called dope and you think it me funky now, no? Deal, all the ones that fail, yeah. 
Black Talk Radio. Scotty Reed in on this mic. Uh, unfortunately, I'm broadcasting from behind enemy lines where black life does not appear to matter, except for when it's making profits for the state, making profits for the federal government, making profits for stockholders in the private prison companies. And yeah, um, I just got some news from my daughter. Uh, they have shot and, and killed um, another one of us. Uh, appears a black female has been shot and killed in Charlotte, North Carolina, just a week or so ago. And the other uh, large city that I live in between these two large cities, uh, Gastonia, North Carolina, uh, which is predominantly white, uh, but um, they killed James Allen, a Korean war veteran. Um, there is some some question about if he was in Korea or if he was in Vietnam, but one thing is for certain, he's dead, and a Gastonia police officer shot and killed him after breaking into the man's home to do a welfare check. And so now, uh, according to my do- daughter, I'm pulling up Google News and going to my Charlotte News link. A woman shot and killed by officer, no charges expected. Oh, wow, I just got through talking about uh, Charlotte, when we were speaking with the um, NAACP Charlotte chapter president, uh, Miss Corinne Mackey, I believe is uh, her name. And so, yeah, I'll just read a little bit here. It says a police officer who shot and killed a woman in northeast Charlotte on Wednesday night is not expected to face charges, according to Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Chief Rodney Moreau. Uh, police officers, uh, excuse me, police say officer Anthony Hallshauer shot 20-year-old Janisha, Janisha Farmville twice after she charged after, at the officer with a knife. According to police, Farmville was arrested. I don't even want to go into that because that's where they go to telling you their whole history and justifying them being shot. You know, they were arrested, you know, maybe not convicted, but they were arrested in 2012. So obviously, you know, these people, this person was a violent person who deserved to get shot down. Now, um, again, I'm just now being made aware of this story. And so I'm just reading the local corporate news, um, Report on this. Um, I believe this happened when Thursday. When did this happen? Oh, let's see. This happened last night, shortly after 9 p.m. All right. So, um, yeah, um, my daughter told me that she said one of the uh, persons um, who apparently has some knowledge of the event possibly might have been there again. I'm still. This story is new to me, haven't had a chance to, you know, dig into it, uh, but said that they could have tased this woman, that they didn't have to shoot and, and, and kill her, you know, or, you know, shoot her in the leg or something, you know, but obviously, you know, cops in America are trained to shoot center mass, just like when I was in the military, shoot center mass, kill them, you know, you don't want to maim them, you don't want to you know, give my opportunity to stab you while they're laying on the ground after you shot and shot them in the kneecap or something like that. So, yeah, unfortunately, you know, every 28 hours, but it's actually um, happening more than that, more than every 28 hours. It's, it's less than 24 hours a person is killed in the United States. Um, yeah, black people, Hispanics, 
the occasional white person will get shot or beat down. The occasional Indian uh, from India will, you know, get slammed to the ground and partially paralyzed and whatnot. Uh, yeah, here are some of the other quick news headlines that I'm seeing uh, coming across Google News. The American Sniper Trial. Remember the uh, former Marine suffering from PTSD. Apparently he wasn't suffering enough. You know, he must have been lying about it. Uh, but they're going to uh, fry him. They're going to give him the death penalty in Texas. You better believe that for killing the American sniper hero, Chris Kyle. Never mind this man was a racist who was also uh, gunning down and killing a whole bunch of people in Iraq, an American terrorist. Um, yeah, he got gunned down by his fellow veteran, Eddie Ray Ruth. And he says that he believed his trial is ongoing. He said that he believed Kyle was a pig assassin, a pig assassin. Wow. His words, not mine. Oh, that's what he said. That's what he told the doctor, that this man was a pig assassin. All right. I'm sure there's a lot of people that would agree with him on that. All right. So let me get to the news um, that I had lined up for you today. A federal, um, jury has awarded these Indian guest workers. Again, these are not indigenous Indians here in America, but these are Indians from the country or nation known as India. Um, says this is coming to you from the Southern Poverty Law Center dot org, SPL Center dot org, one of their press releases. Um, I got it in my email. It says a federal jury in a case that they were handling awarded $14 million in compensatory and punitive damages to five Indian guest workers who were defrauded and exploited in a labor trafficking scheme, which was engineered by a Gulf Coast Marine Services company, uh, an immigration lawyer, and an Indian labor recruiter, recruiter who lured hundreds of workers to a Mississippi shipyard, shipyard with false promises of permanent U.S. residency. Oh, those kind of uh, illegal immigrants. Yeah. Um, thought they were going to get a green card and they were lured over here. And I went on to read. It says that the defendants exploited our clients, put their own profits over the lives of these honorable workers and tried to deny them their day in court, said the lead attorney, Alan Howard. Again, this is a, a case that was handled by the Southern Poverty Law Center. And he is also the board chairman and a partner in Crom Crawwell and Maureen's New York office. But they persevered, he said, and after seven long years have received the justice they so well deserve. Now, this trial, according to this press release, says that it was the first in a series of cases spearheaded by the SPLC that together comprise one of the largest labor trafficking cases in U.S. history. So I'll, I'll, I'll stop there for just a second. And um, yeah, all of this human trafficking is going on between these prisons. You got the GEO Group, Correction Corporations of America, 
Um, even you got county jails working with other county jails and city jails down there in St. Louis County, Missouri, you know, playing the shuffle game. We're going to shuffle you out this prison and right into another prison. Oh, we, you know, you paid your $300 to get out of that jail, but we didn't get it processed in time. So we send you to this other jail. You got to pay another $300. Oh, you didn't process it in time or we didn't process it in time. We sending you to another jail, another $300. You got to pay or you are not getting out of jail. Yeah, that's going on right here in the United States. But then you got like the geo group. Oh, California, you need some help. Y'all got called out by the Supreme Court for overcrowding. Yeah, we'll help you out. We'll open up a couple of facilities in California. You know, we got, you know, real estate property all over the country. So, yeah, we got some properties in California uh, that happen to be prison plantations and sure you can, uh, just transfer those prisoners right out of there to out of your state prison, right into our private prison. And of course, you know, we're going to put them to work and, uh, you know, make profits. And of course, California, the attorney general's office, uh, Ms. Kamala Harris, her office, and she's going to be the democratic nominee for the Senate. Um, uh, pretty soon with that uh person retiring that she's hoping to replace but her office as california attorney general said we can't let these people go uh we will deplete california of all this cheap labor yeah so how about you know filing some lawsuits for that kind of human trafficking in the united states will you uh southern poverty law center we're gonna have to try to reach out to them and um see if they view all of this that's going on on these federal prisons and state prisons and private prisons if he he views that as human trafficking and if those people labor is being exploited right i mean if you're going to put them to work you know they need to be paid a quote-unquote fair wage whatever the prevailing wage is hey if i if you was going to hire me to take customer service calls for sprint um telecommunications company and you're going to pay me anywhere from 24,000 to 60,000 a year, depending upon my experience. And, and, you know, I can wait, work my way up to that, you know? So if you're going to pay me that on the outside, what makes you think you can just pay me a dollar or an hour or less to take those same customer service calls behind these bars? Yeah, I would say that that is uh, exploiting a person's labor. You know, they're not able to save their money and pay off their court imposed fines and they can't pay their child support and they can't help out their ailing sick mother who's on, you know, Social Security and that doesn't pay enough. And, you know, she has to get food stamps and, and whatnot. And so, yeah, what about that Southern Poverty Law Center? Seems like we want to acknowledge the human trafficking and enslavement of a certain class of people, certain nationalities and whatnot. But uh, when it comes to people who are indigenous to America, at least, you know, um, been here very, very long time, hundreds of years, you know, those people's descendants, man, you know, you shouldn't have did the crime and you wouldn't have got convicted and sentenced to slavery. So, uh, yeah, we're going to have to reach out to them. Um, it says that when the men 
arrived at Signal Shipyards. That's the name of the company. Um, yeah, Signal Shipyards. I think it is Signal International. Let me do a Google search on them. But it said Signal Shipyards in, in Pascagoula, Mississippi, beginning in 2006, they discovered that they would not be receiving any green cards or permanent residency that had been promised. Signal also forced them each to pay $1,050 a month to live in isolated, guarded labor camps where as many as 24 men shared a space the size of a double-wide trailer. Wow, where have I heard that before? You know, got to make these prisoners pay their room and board. Yeah. We're tired of making the taxpayers foot the bill for all these people we enslaving and exploiting their labor. So you're going to start paying. You know, I don't care if we only paying you 50 cent an hour to process that poultry. <laughs> yeah, doesn't matter. You're still going to have to pay. And when, when and if you by chance get out of prison, you're still going to owe us. Or we will bring you right back here and put you right back to work again. Wow. Guarded labor camps. I remember uh, Dennis Rodman told George Stephanopoulos on what is it? Good morning, Sunday America, whatever program he hosts. And when Dennis Rodman had come back from Korea and, and George Stephanopoulos said, don't you know Korea has labor camps? And, you know, Dennis Rodman has never been accused of, of being an intellectual, but he knew enough to say that you got labor camps right here in the United States. So touche, Dennis Rodman. So, yeah, this is, uh, I'm sure these people feel compensated and made whole by this $14 million um, judgment, which was given to them by a federal grand jury for their uh, being enslaved and being paid really nothing and then being charged, you know, uh, on top of everything, a thousand dollars a month to, to share a double wide with, what, how many people it said? 28 people? 24 people? Wow. Also said that this company's non-Indian um, workers were required to live in the company housing. None, okay, I, I'm sorry. None of Signal's non-Indian workers were required to live in the company housing. All right, so this was only just for the Indians. Yeah. Because you ain't got no green cards and we can't have you running around out there to get slammed by police and partially paralyzed and costing us your labor. But then somebody might discover what we're doing here. So, yeah, we got to keep you under lock and key, armed guard, can't let you out, be running around so that, you know, we get discovered. Um, this company, Signal International, um, let me see. I'm going to their website. It is signalint.com. That's signalint.com. It says, uh, signal facilities in Mississippi and Alabama support projects with state of the art equipment, advanced processes, and highly skilled workforces. Wow. Yeah. Stolen labor from India. Highly skilled. We offer new construction of tugs, barges, power barges, uh, articulated tug barges, modules, quarters, and spars. We specialize in ship and rig repair on vessels, 
drilling and jack up rigs and platforms and top sides. Contact us with all your marine needs from new builds to repairs, upgrades and conversions. Now, what I am not seeing in the news, let me uh, just do a, a news uh, search on Signal International. What I'm not seeing is anybody being charged with a crime of enslaving people, kidnapping, coercion, I mean, racketeering. I mean, no, I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing a criminal prosecution of any of these people, not a guard, not a CEO, not a nobody. But, you know, $14 million and yeah, call it a day. Just pay that $14 million of hush money out and these people will go away and they will go back to India very happy. Very, very happy. Wow. This is, uh, man, I tell you, the things that go on in this country that's right under your noses, so to speak, you know. Got to keep up with what's going on with in the news so that you can understand what exactly is happening. You know, a lot of racism, a lot of white supremacy, and most definitely a lot of slavery and human trafficking of non-white people is, is being practiced widely here in the United States. So I don't know what was up with Signal International. Maybe, you know, the uh, Mississippi and Alabama prisons were just wanting too much money to lease their convicts, you know. No, dude, you got to give, you got to pay us five dollars an hour and then we can give the prisoners 50 cent an hour and yeah we'll be good and we'll give you you know use of this convict labor but no i guess that was too much for signal and they was like you know hell we'll just import some slaves and and then you know we won't have to pay them anything and and actually make them pay us what we the little we do pay them and then they come out owing us so Man, man, and we got people that say that this is such a uh, great place. This is such a great place, a great, you know, beacon of freedom and liberty and justice for all. Nothing could be further from the truth, man. These people got their wake-up call, didn't they? They thought they was coming to the land of opportunity, and they got taken advantage of. Hate to be them, but they at least have been compensated for this horrible tragedy that has happened to them. And they get to go home and make a new life and provide for their families. Where, you know, we got people coming out of prison and, and you know, state practice, state-sanctioned prison slavery today. And, damn, you know, they'd be lucky if they can get, get uh, jobs shoveling snow, you know. Oh, I forgot. Hell, Massachusetts, I think, was just using prison slave labor to, to clean the snow off the streets. We just heard that story. I think uh, Johanan was talking about that story on the Abolitionist Daily, you know, on his radio program. So, yeah. Um, Geraldo, Geraldo Rivero. He is an expert on hip-hop, black culture, fashion, fashionista, and all of that. And uh, he says that hip-hop has done more to harm black people in the last 10 years than racism. Guess at least he's not denying racism exists, but uh, let's hear what he has to say. 
You talk about liberals and conservatives as if they were they were sort of equally ideologically and self-contained camps. Do you fit into either one of those? No, I'm a militant moderate. I, I borrow from both. For instance, I am, as I mentioned, uh, uh, immigration reform, gay marriage, and abortion are all things that that's why I voted for Barack Obama three times. On the other hand, I, I, I and uh, and I hate Benghazi. The Benghazi has become pornographic. I think the way they flog the Benghazi non-scandal. I think it's really very unfortunate on the right-hand side. Uh, but I, I, I think that, f for instance, hip hop. Hip hop has done more damage to black and brown people than than racism in the last ten years. When you when you find the youngster, a Puerto Rican from the South Bronx or a black kid from Harlem, who has succeeded in life other than being the one-tenth of one-tenth of one percent that make it in the music business, that's, that's been a success in life walking around with his pants around his ass and with, uh, you know, visible uh, uh, tattoos or, you know, it's, it is... This whole ethos, and I, I love Russell Simmons. He's a, he's a dear friend of mine. I, I admire his business acumen. At some point, those guys have to cop to the fact that by encouraging this distinctive culture that is removed from the mainstream, they have encouraged people to be so different from the mainstream that they can't participate other than, you know, uh, the racks and the garment center and those entry-level jobs. And I, I lament it. I really do. I think that it has been very destructive culturally. Okay. Uh, just uh, There are a lot of directions I can go there, but I don't want to go down an entire, an entire racial hole because there are a lot of potential explanations for why there is, there is alienation of minority communities. Oh, the yes. This, of course of hip hop. But I, I think that fashion plays a part. Um, there you heard it. You heard Geraldo Rivera voted for President Obama not once, not twice, but three times. <laughs> I'm assuming he misspoke there because uh, as far as I know, uh, unless you was living in Chicago and you voted for Barack Obama to be an alderman or state senator or something, how could you vote for Barack Obama three times. <laughs> he only ran for president twice there, Geraldo. You better be careful there, buddy. They might be investigating you for like, you know, your, your buddy, uh, Dinesh D'Souza, uh, paying people off to make campaign donations above the limit. Uh, yeah, convicted felon now. Uh, but yeah, you, you can't be voting for people more than once. You know, in one election. So I, I'm assuming that you voted for him as state senator and that was the third time or the first time and for president twice. So yeah, but getting to what he said, you know, um, hip hop has alienated. First of all, let's go back to, uh, Russell Simmons. Russell Simmons is a hip hop pioneer. He was, you know, back in the day, what was that? Late 70s, early 80s, Def Jam, him and Rick Rubin, you know, the Jewish white guy. Um, they started Def Jam Records and, you know, brought us, uh, great acts like, um, Run DMC. Um, I'm trying to remember some more. Uh, LL Cool J, I think was signed to Def Jam Records and, and whatnot. Early, you know, pioneers in hip hop. Uh, yeah, Russell Simmons was a part of that, but Russell Simmons, doesn't even control Russell Simmons. Russell Simmons doesn't even run the Grio. 
Okay, he he's listed as one of the owners or founders or something like that. You know that outlet that's supposed to be uh, giving you news from the black perspective, which is owned by, I believe, the Washington Post, uh, white corporation, run by mostly white people, sitting on the boards and making all the decisions. So I mean, but it's ridiculous to say that uh, Russell Simmons put it all on Russell Simmons, huh? Russell Simmons, I think, is in the yoga now. I don't really think he's putting out records or running a record company or anything like that anymore. I know he goes on Twitter and he tweets out these uh, new age sayings and I think he's practicing Buddhism or something like that, you know, uh, when he's not putting out or overseeing, you know, videos on a comedy channel where it's showing uh, Harriet Tubman using her sexual feminine ways on a slave master to help people get freedom. You know, it wasn't funny at all to me, Russell. But to say that Russell is to blame for what's been going on in hip hop for the past 10 years is a absolute joke. See, he need to be talking about people like Lucien Grange. Yeah, Lucien Grange is that, that white European dude from England. Um, I think he's from Wales. I'm not sure, but, uh, yeah, he's from England. He is the head honcho of Universal Music Group, UMG, Universal Music Group. All right. Who has brought you such great artists as Two Chains. Yeah, Two Chains. I, I don't know Mr. Chains' real name, but Two Chains brought you Two Chains in the birthday song. You know, that video where it had little kids in there, uh, watching these women shake their booties and give lap dances and all of that and guy looks like he's about 13 years old chugging a 40 ounce of beer uh got little kids front sitting on the front stairs uh shooting you the bird giving you the finger yeah that's lucy and grange uh calling them shots for you know uh i think i think a french company is really dominating hip-hop because i think umg is actually owned by vivendi a french um record or music corporation let's just call them media you know warner brothers those are white people dude those are white people they are the ones who say who gets a record deal who doesn't they are the ones that are coordinating with all the white people at clear channel that have all these hip-hop stations playing all that garbage these are the white people going to people like that's running the so-called black radio stations radio one and paying them under the table and, you know, doing all sorts of things to put this garbage, uh, they trying to call hip hop. Cause remember, hip hop is more than just about a record. It's more than just about a track or an album. Hip hop is a culture, right? And so, um, you know, I think it's, I've done this, this, uh, whole thing in the past about white I, there's an old youtube video you might be able to find it of me in 2007 when i was doing a program called one black man's view and my view was is that hey white people white men run hip-hop i think you can check out rap rehab uh.com check out rap rehab.com a uh, longtime industry insider in the music industry paul porter uh, I believe he runs that website and you can find out a lot of good information about who's really running hip hop up in this joint. It ain't Russell Simmons. Russell Simmons ain't responsible 
for Lil Wayne being out there and, and Nicki Minaj. And my daughter was just telling me the other day, she had on the radio on Power 98, based in Charlotte or somewhere around Charlotte, Power 98, uh, playing this song by Nicki Minaj and Lil Wayne and I think, uh, what's that other dude's name? Dre, something like that, talking about some kind of net butter or some kind of nasty stuff. Um, some kind of, of byproduct of people having sex and they're talking about it in the lyrics of this song that's coming on, you know, doing daytime hours on this FM radio station, which has been licensed by the FCC and whatnot. And they're putting out all this garbage. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, white people are responsible for that most responsible for it. They, they the ones who are telling us, you know, who gets to be on TV, who gets to get a big budget to come out with their next album, garbage album, how much they get to invest in making a video and all of that. Yeah. So, I mean, I agree that, you know, the industry has been very damaging to our black youth because if you keep putting garbage in a person's mind, then eventually they're going to start believing they are that garbage. And they're going to go out there and do, do what garbage does. Doing exactly what you tell them to do. Sipping scissors, you know, putting date rape drugs in the people drinks, having your way with them, gunning down black people and down each other yeah all of that stuff is being promoted it has done tremendous damage but um i have to disagree with Geraldo about who's responsible for all of that and then what is this about being different you know i i you know sagging is a fad you know i know people are getting hyper about these kids sagging because you see about maybe two three maybe four inches of their boxer shorts but hey these girls can actually wear boxer shorts as outside shorts and nobody says a word, you know, anything like that. And, um, yeah, I don't think that these young men are actually, uh, going to these job interviews and with their pants sagging. And I'm sure somebody in their family, I'm sure they got sense enough to know there may be one or two, but not that many to be so significant to just label all these black youth as going into these places with the pants sagging and two gold chains, probably a little bit in their mouth, trying to get a job. I don't think that that's happening. You know, I, I really don't think that that's happening. I could be wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong. You know, and again, I think, you know, uh, they aren't the only ones who are wearing their pants sagging. All these white kids running around like Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber, you know, uh, doing what he does. And I, I heard the other day that Miley Cyrus has uh, released some topless photos on the Internet with her flat chest itself. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> and so, you know, the people that control these artists and these industries and give them platforms, it ain't Russell Simmons. He just plays a little small minor role like, you know, I heard Johanan describe it the other day. He's middle management in white supremacy. He isn't the guy in charge. He's just doing his role to maintain his position on the plantation, to live in relative, relative comfort and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, um, Geraldo was crazy, but all of these white kids, you know, tattoos, 
different colored hair and just expressing themselves. He wants what heavy metal and um some of that rock music. These people got a thousand piercings and and all this and that, but. Gerardo just wants to focus on these black kids, these stereotypes and whatnot. Um, so yeah, that's Geraldo. Not to mention, you know, Geraldo actually played a role in promoting those lies that led Libya to get bombed. Uh, he was reporting from Libya, was embedded with the terrorists who helped overthrow the nation of, of, of Libya. So yeah, this man is, um, he's a proxy racist tool, non-white person, proxy racist tool of white supremacy. All right. Um, if we don't have any phone calls, I will take another short break. Again, if you want to make a comment, you can call us at 530-881-1400, access code 549-032-POUND. If you're already in on the conference line, just hit star six. The lady will say hit number one. That'll buzz me. Um, we have, um, I believe, Thando Radio Show. Thando Radio Show is coming up um, after this program. I believe they are going to be on the air uh, today. I'll check my email. Uh, don't see that they won't be on air. So they'll be coming on to talk about precious metals and, um, you know, financial investments and health issues and things of that nature. So y'all stay tuned for that. Uh, they broadcast from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock p.m. right here on Black Talk Radio Network. Uh, David Wynn is your host for that program. Um, yeah, now this Alabama Chief State Judge Roy Moore, we want to talk about him and his seditious act of telling these judges, state judges, Alabama judges, that you can just ignore what that Negro federal judge over there said about our constitutional, our state constitutional ban on, on same-sex marriage being unconstitutional. So, yeah, just ignore him. We are not going to uphold any kind of that kind of stuff going on. Um, and also they was talking about, you know, this might lead to marriage being abolished, period. Not slavery, not human trafficking, certainly not those things, but there are, have been some talk about abolishing marriage in the state of Alabama. So, and then we got a, a former CIA agent. Um, he just got out of prison not that long ago, uh, connected to the torture scandal. He must be the only one that went to prison. I don't know if he went to prison cause he told on somebody. Um, if he, oh yeah, he revealed the name of a CIA agent to a reporter, I guess, who did some torturing, but that person ain't in, didn't go to prison. He did. And he's admitting that the agency is full of sociopaths and liars who lie all the time. I certainly believe him on that. He, I know he is a admitted liar, but this might be one of those rare instances where he's telling the truth. Yeah, I, hey, you got to be a psychopath, a sociopath. You got to have sociopathic tendencies in order to be considered uh, to be in the CIA. All right, we'll be back on the other side of this break. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News with Scotty Reed right here on Black Talk Radio Network. We'll be right back. Lyndon Johnson, he can always raise an argument about law and order because he never talks about justice. 
But black people fall for that same argument, and they go around talking about lawbreakers. We did not make the laws in this country. We are neither mor morally nor legally confined to those laws. Those laws that keep them up keep us down. You got to begin to understand that. For 400 years, she taught you white nationalism, and you left it up. You taught it to your children. You had your children thinking that everything black was bad. Black cows don't give good milk. Black hens don't lay eggs. Black for funerals, white for weddings. That's white nationalism. Santa Claus. A white honky who slides down a black chimney and comes out white. I'm from Benton Harbor, Michigan. I just want people to know that we must hold all elected officials, judges, and everybody else accountable for their action and their inaction. It is crucial that we take a stand because in Barron County, Michigan, they have one job. That's to send every single person to prison, eliminate them by putting them on probation or by putting them or sending them to prison. So we have a special obligation. See, in the 60s, it was called Negro removal. In Bosnia, it was called ethnic cleansing. Today, it's called genocide. That is exactly what's happening, not only in, in Barron County, Benton, Alpha, Michigan, but around the country. So we, the people, must take a stand and say enough is enough and take charge of our action because we have to learn to work together. It doesn't make a difference whether you're black, white, yellow, brown, whatever it is, we must come together and fight this thing before it overtake us. Because if as an individual, they will attempt to crush you. So let's work together and get this thing right. My name is Reverend Edward Pinckney. I'm from Benton Harbor, Michigan. I come from Marquette Branch Facility in Marquette, Michigan. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio. How do you describe desperation to someone who is not desperate? We got a letter to me from U.S. political prisoner Ojibwe Mutulo, who went on to depict everyone in the management control unit at Trenton State being woken up at 1 o'clock in the morning by guards dressed in riot gear, holding dogs. This country was born out of genocide. That's the political genesis of this slavery system, the political genesis of the prison system. This country was born out of genocide, a genocide, a genocide, a genocide, a genocide. That's the political genesis of this slavery system, the prison system. Slavery system is 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 the prison system. And this country was born. And welcome back. Um, yeah, this uh, Judge Roy Moore is uh, he's just too big for his britches. Let me take this phone call. Um, 
before we move on. Uh, Eric Cole, 850, you're on Black Talk Radio News. Go ahead with your question or comment. Yeah, peace, brother. Really, uh, this is sincere and quiet. How you doing, brother? Hey, I'm not going to complain because there are certainly <laughs> about 2.3 million people doing worse than me right now. So, yeah. <laughs> Man, I, I just wanted to chime in. I heard the last segment. I had to get off right quick and handle something, but I wanted to say thank you for clearing that up about um, uh, Mr. Geraldo's comment. I, I mean, I'm just... Geraldo know better, man. He knows better. I mean, you're talking about a scholar reporter and he coming off with some type of uh, conclusion like that when he knows who runs these companies, who's behind the scenes, and who's making these decisions. Uh, it's, a, it's a propaganda uh, scheme. Um, in that actuality, I, I really see that I think there's a move to uh, whitenize uh, hip hop, you know, um, uh, just like you look at the movements with blues, uh, even go back uh, uh, to look at rock and roll, um, jazz, and all those elements. Um, I think that for some whatever reason, uh, possibly that that there's a move to to uh, change the face of hip hop. Um, another thing is I wanted to point out um, with Geraldo. And it's maybe a question maybe you can uh, add to this is um, I noticed um, on the show he he was he's been on Celebrity Apprentice and he is half Jew or something like that and I noticed on he has a, a tattoo of the Star of David on his on his one of his thumb index thumb fingers and on the show it was indicated that he was like a part Jew or something like that. And if you watch the show, he is always connected with uh, or known for raising, you know, high dollar amounts. You know, uh, part of the show, for those who don't know, is they have many times, um, I guess, part of the contest, they have to raise money. And on the show, Geraldo is known for being connected with uh, big billionaires and, you know, people who, who have wealth, uh, claim wealth. So um, it's just kind of curious or kind of odd that his comment, the way it came in, unless that unless that uh, that audio was cut and, you know, kind of framed, but it seemed like it, it, his answer wasn't even in context. It was like it just came out of nowhere. And um, so it, it, it obviously I'm just really, uh, I guess, not surprised, but you're always kind of surprised when you actually – Hear it, and you actually see what you already know uh, when they when they try these little these little uh, tricks and uh, confusion. Really, it's, you know, just a bunch of confusion. Yeah, misdirection. But, uh, uh, but yeah, his his <laughs> father was a Catholic Puerto Rican, and his mother is of Ashkenazi Russian uh, Jewish descent. So, and he was raised uh -huh. mostly Jewish. Had a bar mitzvah. And all of that. Um, and he grew up in Brooklyn and West Babylon, uh, New York, where he attended West Babylon High School. But certainly, you know, old as he is, as long as he's been around, um, being a reporter, having the access that he has, access, yeah. he knows who's really running hip hop. But of course, you know, remember he said that, that, uh, um, 
Trayvon Martin, I'm sorry, got tongue tied. Trayvon Martin got gunned down because he had on a hoodie. So, yeah, he's hoodie man. So, yeah, that's yeah. him. All right, man. Well, I appreciate okay. appreciate you calling in and, and sharing those comments. Um, I know, you know, you are in the hip-hop uh, area. Uh, we just interviewed you a couple of days with your, um, what's the name of the Beat Tape Lectures, Volume 1? Yes, yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah. y'all check that out in the podcast. Mm-hmm. All right, brother. Peace. Um, all right, peace. All right, let me um in the next few Q&A minutes here. is cleared. I'll try to give you this quick news. Uh, Alabama Chief Judge Roy Moore. Okay, this is what this guy is saying. He is saying that um recently a U.S. District Attorney. Now that's a federal judge. When it has U.S., that's United States. That's a U.S. district judge. That's higher than a state judge. That's higher than, you know, in terms of the pecking order. That's higher than um, the chief justice of Alabama State Supreme Court, which just happens to be Roy Moore. And now he is instructing all probate judges to ignore uh, U.S. District Judge Callie versus Guinea Grenade's ruling striking down uh, the gay marriage ban in Alabama. Now, um, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that, but I am of the impression that, you know, the government needs to get out of the marriage business, period. All right. And then some people look at the black community because there is, you know, not a whole lot of black people getting married. Doesn't mean they're not living together. Doesn't mean that they're not raising families together. Just means they didn't go to the state and ask for permission to get married. And so I don't even put a whole lot of stock in that. I know that you can get certain tax breaks and all this and that if if you just get that piece of paper and where the government says that we have given you a license to get married you know kind of reminds me of a uh, plantation priest uh slavery days pre-1865 where you know you had to get permission oh you want to marry that that other slave over there yeah i yeah i, I guess i'd give you permission and y'all could just you know jump the broom and call it a day and y'all be married. You know what I'm saying? So that's the way I look at it. It's like, you know, why do I need to be validated to get married, to be in a, a committed relationship by the state? Why do I need that piece of paper? And why are you looking down on me or looking down on my spouse or looking down on my children just cause we didn't go spend tens of thousands of dollars on a wedding. All right. To help feed the economy, you know, thousand dollar, wedding dress and all of that you know that's a big industry in this country yeah you know why are you looking down on me because i didn't want to do all of that now i've been married before but um i'm just thinking about it you know it is it's like you getting permission from massa to get married so anyway they were talking about that this could potentially lead to whether um marriage could be struck down period and there are some legal arguments about that. I don't have a whole lot of time to get into, uh, but I have linked to this article. But they're saying that, you know, if this isn't what the people who wrote the law, the legislator intended, they didn't intend for gay people to get married. You know, when they put marriage in codified marriage in the uh, law and things of that nature. And since they didn't intend it that way, then we got to strike it down. All the laws that even say marriage or whatnot. Yeah. There's some arguing going on there that, 
marriage may be abolished because um they don't want to let same sex people get married in their country. I mean, get married in their state. Well, he's like declaring his own country. He's saying, ignore the federal government. You know, just we're going to do what we do down here. We're Southerners and those damn Yankees ain't going to be telling us nothing. You know, yeah, I can imagine, you know, uh him telling people. No, I can't even imagine. But, you know, hey, Roy, how about telling your state judges to stop convicting people of nonviolent victimless drug crimes, filling up the state plantations with all these black bodies and, and whatnot? Yeah. How about, you know, you tell them to stop practicing slavery through the courts all right yeah anyway um last thing you got the cia agent uh let me see how long this clip is it's about three minutes long i got about seven minutes left we'll close it out with this cia agent admitting that the cia is full of trained liars and they lie 24 7 and whatnot and they're also sociopaths and you know we got a hint a clue of that when jeffrey skilling blew the whistle on um, this torture that they've been engaged in, raping people, torturing people, waterboarding them, even killed a few people. Yeah, no, none of them is being brought up on criminal charges. All right, so we'll close it out with that. We'll see you right here tomorrow, 5 o'clock p.m. Excuse me, 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern. Christopher Irvin will be joining us as well as uh, Cleo Monaco. All right, peace and blessings to all. I'll see you tomorrow. Nights, but first tonight, Kiriakou's behind-the-scenes perspective on the culture of the CIA, starting with the agency's reaction to the attacks on September 11, 2001. 9/11 really resulted in in a terrible collective guilt. You know, I remember policymakers at the time saying we shouldn't be pointing fingers. The Democrats shouldn't blame the Republicans. The Republicans shouldn't blame the Democrats. Well, the truth is, this was a massive intelligence failure, and so. We inside the CIA felt that it was it was our fault. You know, we should have we should have been able to find these guys overseas. We should have been able to disrupt the attack. At the very least, we should have worked with the FBI, which we famously didn't. Um, so there was this feeling of collective guilt. How how palpable is that? I mean, if you're if, if I'm walking around Langley a week after 9/11, two weeks after 9/11, I mean, is it? Most people who were there in the building on 9/11 didn't leave for the first couple of weeks. Um, I slept under my desk for three days before somebody told me, you really need to go home and take a shower. Um, we even, on, on the, moving into the night of 9-11, you know, toward September 12th, we actually got bolt cutters and cut the, the lock off of the cafeteria door and stole all the food. It was a Marriott contract. Stole all the food and cooked it ourselves and just placed it on these big tables in the hall so people could eat and not stop working. And that went on for days. We ended up having to write a check for something like $15,000 to the Marriott for stealing all their food. Uh, but most people didn't leave, or if they left, it was only to take a shower and, and change clothes and come back because we felt like we had to make up for this terrible mistake that we had made and you know show that we could make some kind of progress against al-Qaeda. I had to ask Kiriakou, given his past as an undercover agent for the CIA, if he is a reliable narrator of history. Before we go further, I've got to ask you this. I've had some experience talking to spooks in my reporting career. Uh, and two things have struck me. One is a lot of them seem a little crazy. 
And the other thing is, you guys are trained paid liars. Yes. It, so it's like, why, why should I, why should I believe anything you're saying to me yeah. now, right? I mean, you literally professionally lied for decades. Yeah, you're trained to lie. You lie all the time. You lie, you cheat, you steal, you swindle, you trick people. That's, that's the nature of the job. Yes. Problem at the agency oftentimes is that those guys don't know when to turn it off. And as do a result, you know when to turn it off? Well, I, I hope that I do. I think that I do. Um, but one of the one of the side effects of that kind of a culture is that the agency has um, what is probably the highest divorce rate in all of the federal government, and it's because you have officers who lie all day long, and then go home and lie to their wives about their girlfriends or about what they're doing, and things fall apart. One senior officer who had retired and then come back as a trainer told me one time, you can lie all day, but never lie to your boss and never lie to your wife. Now, getting back to your original point about people being kooky, a CIA psychiatrist once told me that when the CIA is looking to hire people, they're looking for people with what he called sociopathic tendencies. Not sociopaths, but people with sociopathic tendencies. That is, people who are comfortable uh, working in moral gray areas and who are comfortable lying and doing it with a smile. Um, with that said, oftentimes sociopaths will slip through the cracks because sociopaths can very easily pass a polygraph exam. They have no conscience, after all. And so sometimes you get people who really probably shouldn't be working. from the bottom of hell cause the black is back and it's bound to sell picture us cooling out on the 4th of July and if you heard we were celebrating that's a worldwide lie yo Chuck the best dad 